We're about to enter the peak of the spring buying season, but with the market in flux, what can we expect? I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for National Mortgage Professional, and today I'm joined by Eric Fox. He's chief economist for Veros Real Estate Solutions, and he's going to tell us what his models tell him about the housing market. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. So, Eric, thanks for joining me. Nice to be here, Mike. Thank you. And I think at this point, was this like your third or fourth time we've had you on? We can we can probably call you friend of the pot at this point. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> the uh, the the great honor. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we certainly with the we're now entering the the spring buying season when originators are are certainly normally hoping to really make some bank. But uh, this is an economy and in a housing market unlike anything we've seen in in a long time. And I guess just before we get into sort of what Veros now expects, just talk to me about the volatility. I mean, we've seen projections from from all kinds of economists that are constantly changing. Talk to me about the volatility and, and just how hard it is to to pinpoint where things are going. Well, I do think that's very interesting. I've noticed the same thing with volatility and and dramatic volatility. I mean, I've seen still some forecasts, some companies coming in at minus 20% on average over the next year. They think we're heading into a big recession. Um, unemployment's going to skyrocket. Interest rates are going to skyrocket. Um, and so I've seen that one end of the spectrum. And then I see others that say we're going to be going up 10%. There's no supply. Um, the, the sellers are staying put. The demand from buyers is starting to come back. And so we're going to go up. I haven't seen 20%, but I think I've seen probably 70, 10%. So um, I think where we're at those is right in the middle, um, which I guess for this market is a good, a highly volatile market is a good place to be. Um, so our forecast we did a quarter ago for the US as a whole said that um, we expected to be down about a half a percent. And then this forecast that we just released last week said we were going to be flat. So that sort of says, as far as our um, forecasts, which have been declining quarter after quarter after quarter for about the last year, year and a half, um, have sort of bottomed out and are now starting to to go up just a little bit. So I think we would um, co- correlate that with optimism in, in the market. Yeah, I, th- I think um, having having things, having prices and things stay flat. I think that's that's welcome news to to maybe both sides. And the for, for the first time in a while, uh, certainly sellers are happy to hear that you know things aren't crashing out, and buyers are probably happy for a chance to just catch up. What what do you think that that means? You know, especially if rates hold, what what do we think that might mean for for buying? Are we also going to see that stay flat on origination side, or we might see maybe things start to return to normal? I don't know if we're going to see everything return to normal. I'm not sure what normal means. If we're comparing normal to 2020 and 2021, I don't think that was normal at all. So returning to that, I doubt will occur. So maybe normal means what we were seeing in 2018, 2019, for example. Um, I do think we are moving more toward the 2018, 2019 scenario than the 2020 or 2021 scenario but we're still well below that. And I think over the next year, year and a half, 
will start to increase um, in pricing. I, I think the bottom has hit not all markets. So when I'm when I'm saying that, I'm referring to the U.S. as a whole. There's still some markets that are forecast to do fairly poorly. But as a whole, I think one of the biggest things we're seeing is the the stingy supply that we've got out there right now. And stingy maybe is not a good word to use because that sort of has a negative connotation on the seller, but they're stingy because they want to hold on to that 3% uh, 30-year interest rate that they've got locked in now. And so those buyers at the fringes who are just thinking, you know, maybe we want to move, we want to move to this other neighborhood, we want to move to this slightly bigger, slightly smaller house now that we're having kids or now that the kids are out of the house. I think a lot of those folks are saying, yeah, I don't think we need to do that. Um, or at least it's not worth 3% more in interest rate to do that. So we're just going to stay put. And so when you factor in the, the lower demand that we've clearly had because of the higher interest rates, they've almost offset a little bit. And instead of plummeting like things did back in um, 2007, 2008, things today, I think, are are surprisingly holding up well. Yeah. And, and you know... <clears throat> I think you kind of touched on something that we've seen play out in the market. If rates slip, demand comes up, then maybe prices tick back up a little bit and, and applications kind of, come, you know, they've been kind of up and down, but floating in this range where everything is is very fickle and, and the kind of balance. Is that kind of how you see things going? Every time, every time things are good, the buyers are going to come back in and immediately sellers will respond. Yeah, I think so. We do not see a dramatic decline in mortgage rates right now. We see, I think we're now probably 6.3, 6.2%. And our forecasts for those are showing them to remain relatively flat for the next year. So don't think we're going to see any more in the way of enticements like rates plummeting to 3% or anything like that uh, to get buyers into the market. I think those days are over for the foreseeable future. Um, when we look at inflation, I think that's going to be a help because now we're down to 5%. And I, I certainly, within the next 12 months, see that coming down to maybe something on the order of 4%. Um, and the reason for that, housing, rents, those are a big component of inflation. And we are certainly seeing uh, those come down in many areas. So, so that could stimulate um, a little bit of demand. And at the other uh, in unemployment, I think we're going to start to see go up a little bit. Um, so far, that hasn't happened. Um, we've we keep going down. Now we're in the mid threes, but I think high threes to low fours in the next year is a very reasonable thing to expect. Um, we can't have this period where we're seeing tech companies, especially with lots of layoffs, not eventually reflect itself in the unemployment numbers. So all in all, I think the environment with the reduced supply is going to be a good one for housing. Um, all of that factored into our models says they're going to start probably going up here a little bit. Um, and my guess is our next quarterly forecast will be doing something in the positive, uh, although I don't expect to see, you know, five or six percent. It might be one or two. Don't miss California's largest mortgage originator show. The California Mortgage Expo returns to Irvine on May 4th and 5th. See us at camortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. Camortgageexpo.com. And, and when you guys try to predict 
predict the, the market and, and particularly what what sellers are going to do because obviously inventory is the thing that that's keeping prices high and we know that as you touched on they're they're locked into they feel locked into their mortgage right now is that the single biggest thing that's sort of choking off supply are there other variables that if if we see relaxation if we see more construction for some reason or if we see some of these other variables relax uh that could make a significant dent in inventory um, I do think that's the biggest key variable without question. Um, now, if we had, for example, um, things that said, you know, we're no longer going to be as flexible with remote work, um, and now you have to live by where you're, you work, um, that could cause people to have to move to areas that, you know, if they move to Idaho and they're going to still be based in California, they have to move back to California. Things like that could have an impact, but I think that's a secondary impact. The the unwillingness of buyers to get to eliminate or to give up their three percent interest rate, I think, is the biggest uh, variable on the table. Uh, you obviously mentioned you think unemployment will will tick up, and and we keep hearing concerns about whether or not we'll we'll be in a recession. But based on on sort of what you expect, you don't think this is going to be something dramatic enough where consumers as a whole are taking a pause. Uh, you think there'll still be enough demand that it, whenever conditions are right, their home buyers are going to make a move. I, I think so. Um, and one of the reasons also is the demographic shift. I mean, we've got a large uh, percentage of the baby boomers who are retiring. There's going to be demand for um, retirement homes and things like that uh, moving from, from where you somebody's worked for their working career. So I think we're going to, that's not going away. Um, those folks, they don't, you know, probably care about uh, mortgage interest rates because they're just going to pay cash. So I think there's still going to be plenty of demand for housing uh, in the foreseeable future, just due to, to demographics. And and obviously we've seen that that shift that you're talking about where, where um, people who retired they're downsizing, they're moving to a more affordable place. And obviously they have the equity that they can flip to a, to another home. Um, it sounds, you think that the, the, the market conditions will continue to tr favor those kinds of buyers versus the first time millennial trying to scrap for a starter home. Well, I think those both segments of the market will probably do fairly well for those two, for those two reasons. Um, so the, the retirement buyer, they're going to keep demand on the higher end homes uh, because they can afford them and it's all cash. The entry level buyer, because of some of the stuff that's going on now with higher interest rates, inflation and such, they're getting to be 30, 35 years old. They want to have their first house. They want to quit paying um, 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 their, their rent. And so they're going to necessarily be attracted to the entry-level homes. Um, so those are probably going to do fairly well. So I don't really just see this horrible um, economic-driven um, decline in the housing market because of conditions that are, that are occurring now. And back to something you mentioned at the beginning where, you know, this is obviously a nationwide forecast, but markets will be themselves. Markets will be markets. Um, are there pockets of the country where you still think that they might be outliers, that they might struggle? I mean, certainly we've been seeing what's been going on in, uh, you know, the Silicon Valley with, with Silicon Valley bank, but also with tech layoffs. I'm, I'm assuming that's one area. Are there pockets where maybe the housing market might act a little differently than the rest of the country? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so some of the pockets that we see is maybe not doing as well. Austin, Texas, I think we have them down. It's at minus six or seven percent over the next 12 months. The Bay Area, that's another one we have down at uh, minus five percent. Seattle, uh, for similar reasons as the Bay Area. Um, Utah, a lot of markets in Utah, which was a big um, COVID uh, move area. We see quite a few markets there down four and five percent. Boise, Idaho, another area um, that's in that list of uh, COVID kind of markets that, that we see being a little soft over the next 12 months. So some of the markets that were hot during, uh, obviously because of COVID or because of, of, of tech money, it's just sort of a, a market correction, basically? Yeah, I think so. Um, those probably were driven up a little more than everybody else during um, COVID. And so they're, they have a little bit more room to fall, I think. I don't think it's going to be a crazy correction of anything like, you know, we saw back in 2008, 2009, where we saw some haircuts of 50%, like in Vegas, for example. But I do think that um, they have a little more room to fall. So I'm, I'm not surprised by that at all. And then looking out, you know, beyond the next maybe a couple of quarters as, as the market catches its feet, its, its footing, um, you know, we get through a recession, buyers and sellers both feel good. There's a balance. Uh, do you see that continuing into 2024? And maybe again, who knows what normal is, but returning back to pre COVID conditions for a prolonged period. Well, I do. And I think the market is going to continue to be strong for housing. We've had a period of underbuilding in this country for quite some time. We have demographics that are pushing at both ends, both those that are retiring and those that are entering their prime house buying years. That Those have been um, in, in the works for a long time. And I don't see that as changing. Uh, you know, for the next five to 10 years. So we're not going to suddenly have supply uh, when everything sort of gets back to normal. Um, I think builders will be a little little reluctant and, and the supply will still be tight. We'll still have those sellers that say, ah, we still don't want to get rid of our um, 3% interest rate, even though stuff's down to five and a half now. Um, so I, I think it's a prolonged uh, period of growth in the U.S. housing market, if say we look into the next five years, um, you know, one thing sometimes people mention to me, they say, "Well, Eric, how can this keep going? You know, used to houses, you know, cost this, and now they cost this. Nobody can afford anything." And I, you know, I would say, "Well, let's look at what house prices were in the U.S. in you know 1980 uh, when they were you know fifty thousand dollars. How can anybody today afford a house that's ten times more than that?" Um, yet they do. Um, another thing that's very interesting is when you compare house prices in the United States with house prices around the world, our house prices are still quite low by comparison. So how do people in New Zealand or Sydney or Paris or uh, Frankfurt, Germany, how do they afford a house that is so much more expensive than the median house price in the United States? So as a U.S. market, I just don't think there's a lot to argue that somehow um, things are going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, people people need homes, <laughs> and as you said, you know they don't want to pay rent when they can own something and and make it their own. And you know it's certainly a pride and a joy and an, an investment vehicle. So right. uh, people people want homes, and and I think we'll we'll wrap it up on this. But to your point about 
you know, I've heard that too. People can't afford this. But I think what we've seen in the past is you get inflation, maybe our, you know, prices appreciate, not like we've seen, but eventually they wait for wallets to catch up and then they appreciate again. It sounds like that's what you expect uh, in this cycle as well. Well, and I'm, there's always things that can facilitate increasing prices. For example, um, I saw just the other day, I read an article about a bank coming out with a new 40-year mortgage. Well, that certainly takes some uh, some of the payment down off of a 30-year mortgage. And if prices are expected to go up, I suspect, uh, you know, 10 years from now, maybe those those kinds of mortgages will be standard. So those are the kind of things that always can come in and take a situation to the next level where maybe today it would be a little more difficult to do. Yeah, people always people always find a way to get a home. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. All right. Nice to be here. Thank you. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth, connecting you to the story of your success. This has been The Principal, an NMP podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at nationalmortgageprofessional.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.